Hello, and welcome to the World Fellows podcast. My name is Emma Skye, and I'm director of the World Fellows program at Yale. My guest today is Olena Sotnik. Did I pronounce that well, Olena? Great. (laughs) (laughs) So, Olena, you're from Ukraine, and... You know, nowadays, you're a politician, you're all of those things. But who was the young Olena? What were your dreams when you were growing up? You know, I was uh, uh, not so pretty girl when I was young, when I was small. And I was always dreaming to be on the stage. (laughs) (laughs) And I was thinking, like, it would be great, like, if I can be beautiful, staying on the stage and everybody was admiring me and and they would applaud me. And a little bit, it came true, (laughs) but in a different way. So be careful with your <laughs> dreams, I would say. Uh, of course, mm, politics is not a stage at all, but uh, I would say very similar in uh, many aspects. But you could have been an actress if you wanted the stage. So what was it that made you go into politics? Why politics? <laughs> uh, to be actress, you need to be talented. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not talented, uh, definitely, to be an actress, uh, even though I was dreaming to become a uh, director, theater director. But my parents, they told me, no. Like, it's not a job at all. You need to have something, like, important. You need to have something serious. That's why I was so maddened at them. And uh, I went to, uh, like, two universities uh, at the same time. And I, like, graduated from two universities at the same time, both economic degree and law degree. Then they can feel happy that now I have a lot of serious (laughs) jobs. Yes, but... Politics is not something uh, what happened to me like because I've been thinking about this or I've been planning this. No, not at all. And I think this is a great about uh, risking. Sometimes you need to take risks when you feel that this is the right moment. And that was the right moment after the revolution of dignity. Um, so what year was this? What year was the revolution it, of it, dignity? It was uh, 2014. So it started in 2013. Now, just these days, it is university anniversary of the Revolution of Dignity. And it was almost for four months, uh, just in the center of the city. So you, you were there with the protesters? You were a protester? Yeah, I were a protester, and I've definitely supported this idea. In and the Maidan, we were watching this on <laughs> TV. You were there? Yeah, I've, I've been there. I think you've been watching just fires, uh, cocktails of Molotov and all these things, but it was many other things on Maidan. I, I would say it, it was uh, some kind of unity, creativity, because we've been working not just with the like violence or put pressure on police or something. We've been very creative. It was about music. It was about posters. Uh, Maybe you saw this photo. I'm sure who followed this. It was very famous photo when like uh, like thousands of police uh, staying at the uh, like human wall and the guy who is sitting and playing on the piano. So it was one of the ideas, like, guys, it is peaceful protests, but we are not going to give up. So we are there to talk with you, to have a dialogue, to have a peaceful dialogue. But if you are not going to listen to us, we are not going to step back. 
So it was it was many things, and you know what was really amazing about Maidan? I never saw this uh, because we had another revolutions in Ukraine before, and I also was participant of uh, Orange Revolution in 2004, so 10 years before. Uh, but I was very young, just after university, and very romantic. But it was different because this uh, uh, this time we really felt threat, like we knew that we can be like. They can put us into the prison. They uh, can, like, be beaten, even killed us. But people, they've been so, I think, inspired with, the, with this unanimity and with dignity. Like, they decided, okay, we are there. We're already under the risk. We should, like, continue and see what happened. But you see, when you see these protests, you see many people protest. You see very few of them go from protesting to actually becoming a politician. Mm -hmm. I think this is the main problem of uh, all protests. Like now Iraq, Iran, Georgia, uh, Ecuador, uh, Chile. We can see that all over the world it is like protests and people, they're like going out to the streets. But then they don't have continuation. So they protest. They are very active in uh, this aggression, like, and they are very angry on the people who are in the authorities. But they don't have really message, it is the first thing, to these people. Because if you protest, you need to have a message. I want to have this, this, and this. Not just like abstract, even if it's ideal goal, like, for example, we want to live in more transparent uh, country, or we want to have more mm, justice, or we want to have, mm, like, mm, like mm, better treatment of citizens, something like this. But it's very abstract. That's why many protests, they finish because people, they just burn out in several months. And this is the main thing, what we so, need to so do. We did, need to have people. But how did you do it? How did you go from being a protester to creating a political platform to running for election? How did you do it? So from the very beginning uh, on Maidan, we had like this part of people who uh, wasn't just pro protesters, but also people who've been together, who've been planning the messages, who, who've been th thinking and discussing what is the next? What about, uh, what about the future of Ukraine? And how do we see this future of Ukraine? How we want to succeed? So it was from the very beginning more political uh, than just, you know, this protesting as activity. Protest for protest, it's, it means nothing for your country. Uh, that's why I think these people, and many of them, they after, afterwards, they've been in the parliament. So, uh, uh, and I was proposed to just participate in a list of new political party. And because it was new, with a good reputation, and I've already had my, some kind of uh, this, a CV of protester and activist, and also I used to be a lawyer. So it was it was good combination of both, like active citizen who want to participate and who wants to change the country, and at the same time lawyer. So I had professional background and skills. That's why I was proposed to go to the parliament, like to switch from the just activity for activity to activity for the result. 
But the, this is an amazing example because it's an example of how protests can lead to something. It should. Otherwise, people, they feel desperate and they can uh, they can just maybe lose this momentum because it is always if you like if you we could like describe it in a images or something protest is always has like uh, several levels so and when you are on the top it means you can manage the situation it means you can for example talk with authorities and push through your message or your idea but when you lose this momentum afterwards people all around they they become tired and then Authorities, they try to undermine the protests. And you lose this momentum, it means you lose the opportunity to change something. That's why it's very important to have people among these protesters whom you really trust, uh, opinion leaders, and to send them to the authorities, to support them, to give them this mandate of trust and to help them to go to the power to go to the politics, to go to the parliament, and maybe even to become presidents. You know, I've known you for a few months. You are super smart. You've got amazing experience. You're a great communicator. And you've got a vision. Are you going to run for president? (laughs) Um, I I don't know. (laughs) I need to be very fair with you. In Ukraine, it's not like just I want to run. That's why... I'm going to run for the presidency. There's a, a lot of uh, circumstances and conditions. You need money and you need support. Of course, what I'm going to do, I'm going to come back and to continue to build this network among the country. And if I would have support of people, like people who will be ready to trust in me and to help me, and if I would have team because I believe that's the main thing. It's not enough just to become a president. This is a problem of our president now in Ukraine. He is a great guy, but he doesn't have really professional team. That's why he is making a lot of mistakes and we are under the risk of ruined country. What I want, I want to have really like strong team of professionals who would be committed with me not like to run for the president and not to run by your own. It means to run with many people who really believe in your vision or who share in this vision. If I would have these two conditions, support of citizens and vision and, and team who share with me this vision, I would run. Well, I'm sure you're going to find that team because you're very inspiring. Now, Ukraine is obviously stuck in the middle of this competition between Russia and the United States. How do you see that playing out? How do you see Ukraine moving forward when it has the big powers competing there? I um, I will be very open with you about this because it's worrying me a lot. I feel like because of this scandal, especially impeachment scandal, yes, Ukraine in all the media, newspapers, titles, but Ukraine became very toxical. And it's very hard now to talk about substance. Uh, Mainly people even in uh, Washington, D.C., they are very careful in everything which is dealing with Ukraine, which is dealing with Ukraine. So they are ready, of course, to support Ukraine. They realize how it's important uh, because it is a forefront with Russia. 
but at the same time, they are not ready to be really active in supporting. What does it mean for the future of Ukraine? So I, I, I now see main threats. First one, if we are not going really to have this support, substance support from United States as a main strategic partner and, come on, the main global player, then we will be alone with European Union leaders and Russia. European Union leaders, they have two main threats, and they're thinking, first of all, on behalf of them and because of their interests. First one is energy security, and second one, of course, sanctions affect affected a lot their economy and businesses. And of course, they want to bring back Russia as a partner, as economic partner, as investor, and many, many other things. That's why for them to solve problems in Ukraine, and they don't care what kind of uh, results and what kind of uh, um, outcomes it can bring, this is a main threat. And what I feel like uh, the leader of United States, I mean, the president of United States, he already, like, push Ukrainian president, like, if you want to solve your problems with Russia, you need to sit down uh, with Putin and talk with him. But, sorry, it is, like, ridiculous. It's not realistic. Because Putin, he doesn't recognize, and he's not going to recognize that he is aggressor and that is Russian war in Ukraine. How you are going to talk with a person who doesn't recognize the problem, who doesn't recognize his role in, in this? You're not going to solve this problem. It is the first thing. And the second thing, I'm very realistic. Russia and Putin, they never, like, really took Ukraine seriously. They was always thinking that Ukraine is just continuation of Russia. So it is a country or even they didn't take us as a state. It is a territory uh, which influenced by Russia, which managed by Russia, which uh, uh, influenced a lot. And they are not going to help Ukrainians to become like independent, strong state. It's not in their interest. That's why when we have American president who doesn't interest in solving Ukrainian uh conflict. And we have European Union who wants to solve in any ways. And we have Putin who wants to take over the Ukraine. Then uh, I see a huge threat on how it's going to finish. And the next year will be very tough for Ukraine. What's your hope for 10 years from now? My hope is, first of all, that our uh, president now in Ukraine and people who are in the parliament, they are not going to destroy the state. And that Ukrainians, I mean citizens, they can maybe a little bit grow up and uh, become more aware that if they want to change something in their lives and if they want to change something in their country, they shouldn't wait for Messiah. You know, they should also do something on the grounds, so they should participate. And also, they, uh, I, I, I hope they would be ready next time to elect not just famous people or people whom they like because they are very funny or they have good sense of humor, but because it is professionals and 
it is time to take tough decisions for Ukraine if you really want to switch to something better and if you want to have something better for our children. Maybe not for our generation. I'm, but for I'm, the next generation. But next generation. Sometimes you need to think strategically. If you are thinking, if, if you are a state thinker, you need to think like five, 50 years, uh, maybe even 100 years. And also, like future is all, almost there. Technologies, innovations, robots, everything. It's, everything is changing. What is the place of Ukraine in this future? I didn't hear from any of our political leaders how they are going to cope with these future challenges. And I think this is a time to find these answers or to tell to people. And I hope that in 10 years we will have very uh, creative country with space for freedom and with space to develop people, to develop their skills. And uh, maybe it will be something new, maybe even new philosophy, how to be free and at the same time to take care of other people around. Well, when I look at you, you're always so organized, so disciplined, <laughs> and you always look great. How do you do it? <laughs> I'm not organized. <laughs> I didn't uh, arrange time for our talk this time. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to be disciplined. It is hard work uh, to uh, discipline. Uh, first of all, I think that the main challenge about ourselves, it is to fight with our laziness and to fight with our pro procrastination because it's very hard to focus on uh, important things. Sometimes you all, or not sometimes, you are always looking for some uh, excuses why you can do this, why you will wait another one hour doing nothing and then switch to something more serious. But I think what is uh, really important for me that I have this balance between like doing nothing or just relaxing and uh, taking care about my emotions and giving myself to rest. And at the same time, I, I always have like in my schedule time to work, to do something important. And I'm trying to fulfill the most complicated things like or most difficult or un unpleasant things from the very beginning and then I like praise myself, appreciate myself and give myself some pleasant time to rest. But you exercise every day? Not every day but uh, four times a week I'm trying but the United States spoiled me. And you also fast, you're careful <laughs> with what you eat? Uh, a lot, and I would say, like, uh, you know, even uh, this experience, by the way, of fast fasting uh, and fasting without food and uh, water, it gave me a lot of strength because I think it is... Uh, How long do you fast for? Five days, without food and water for five days. As, and it was several times in my life, it, and it is great every experience. month you do this. No, and not every month. You can't do it every month because you are going to harm your body. But uh, I'm doing this uh, once in seven, six months. And I would say that it is great experience to stay with yourself, with your mind. So you meditate through this. You yes. Uh, then like because uh, your body on this stage when really it is a threat to survival, then your mind is super clear. You realize everything, what is happening with you, what is happening in your life, what is wrong, what is right, and how to move on, and what is really important and what, what is not important. It's a great experience.
Olena, you are a rising star, and <laughs> we at Yale are going to be watching your career trajectory. Thank, Thank you. you so Thank much. Thank you, Emma.